In the following live session recording, Lynn Pryor, publishing team leader with groups, Lifeway Christian Resources, leads a session entitled Three Key Roles in Your Bible Study Group. Groups function best when three essential roles are carried out, and those roles are teacher, shepherd, and leader. The listener will hear what each role entails and how to enlist others to share in these roles. Let's join Lynn now. What we're going to do is we're going to talk about three roles in the group, but it's based on this book right here. Um, and I don't have a single copy to share with you. I checked with the guys in the Lifeway booth. They don't have any copies of the book. But ironically, Georgia Baptist gave me the wrong book. But I, want, I still want to give you this book, and there's a reason. Uh, this is a Sunday school book. And I tell you what, let me just... Uh, and I, by the way, I've got plenty of these. There's a reason. If you want to take some more, I would recommend you do that. Uh, I think we have enough to go around. This book that you see called Three Rolls... If you hold this up and look at it, how small it is, that's three rolls. It looks just like this. Uh, every year we release a Sunday school related book about how to be a better teacher, how to be a better leader, how to be a better shepherd. And this one's probably been out four or five years. And I gotta tell you, it's my favorite book. It talks about the three roles that are just essential in a class. So much so that it's a good book that they came out the next year, and someone can have these if they want them. And they did a book on each of them, a separate book on each of the three roles. Now, um, I've got two websites up here. Lifeway.com slash training resources. That's where you're going to find the new books like Saddle Up. If you go to Lifeway.com slash David Francis, and I make sure, I'm sorry, I did not spell Francis right. Please no one tell David I did this. You will find, David's probably read about 12, 12 or so books of these. And they're great books. He was kind of Mr. Sunday School until he retired. Now the reason I want you to know about these is, what I'm going to tell you relates to the Saddle Up site, training resources, and where you can see three roles of David Francis. You can get copies of that book there for $2. It just covers the cost of printing. What you'll do, you'll get a book like this. But, if you just want to get the PDF ordered electronically, you just download it. There's no cost involved. It's just, it's available. And, and once again, there are books just like this. They're all around, I think some are 48 pages. These are like 64. They're not big books. But you can download that for free. So one reason I want to encourage you to kind of think that through is you may want to, with your church, with other teachers, get the book and y'all work walk through it together. That's the best thing you can do. Because what I'm going to do today, it's going to be very condensed. We're going to just kind of hit some high points. In fact, there's some sections we're not even going to touch on. We shall have time. But if you get together with some others in your church, y'all can walk through the book, do a chapter a week. You'll also find at those websites... And all this is free again. There's a teaching plan that can help guide you if you're working with adults. If anyone by chance happens to work with kids or students, there's teaching plans that will walk them through. How do you connect this with uh, my, my, my group of youth, with the youth group? There's PowerPoint there. There's, uh, there's things for promotional things. It's all free. It's just there. Um, the only thing you have to pay for is if you want to get a print copy of the book. It just covers the cost of printing it. So, but that, that, that relies to the saddle up that I've just given you um, and to look like the three rolls. So that's just, it's just there. I really encourage you to go look at that. Again, it doesn't take long to read the book, but it's kind of fun just to take your time and walk through the book. So, um, with that in mind, we're going to really focus on this book. And what we're going to look at is the three roles of these right here. Teacher, shepherd, reader. And for that, I've got a handout. And it's really more of a job sheet is what it is. Oh, he's been good. Okay.
this is something I want you to just use to kind of capture some notes. I'll, I'll help you fill in some of the blanks there as we go along. But this is the idea for, uh, I want us to see what these three roles are. Now, these may, these may seem very obvious to you. And in some classes, one person is the teacher, the shepherd, and the leader. And you may be gifted in a way, such a way that you can cover all three of those great. You may have the time on your hands to do all three of these and run with them well. Phenomenal. But all three of these need to be covered for an effective growing group. So that's why I encourage you to think of, if you, if you look at yourself, teaching is what I did, great. Get someone to walk alongside you as a shepherd, or maybe get someone to walk alongside you as the leader of the class. Um, so share the load, share the ministry in the class. Even a small class, it's six to eight, 12, you know, 10 people. Share the load. So we're going to kind of walk through what these roles are as we do this. But keep in mind, you may say, boy, I've really got the teaching and the shepherd part down. Just make sure the, the tasks that go with these are covered because we need all three. Most of the times we think about Sunday school, uh, uh, a Bible study group, what do you need for that? You need a teacher, okay? That seems kind of obvious. That's only a part of it. That's only a small part. People don't come to your class because we're great teachers. They come from relationships. And so a shepherd and a leader is going to help pull all that together. You can be the greatest teacher there is, but if there's not some way of developing relationships, the teaching can really fall flat. Uh, and if you just want a great teacher, that's all you need. Uh, you know, he's already referred to, you can go on the internet. There's, there's videos out there of some good creatures, teachers you can use. It's the, Bible, it's the relationships that matter. So we're going to get on it as we go along. So we're going to begin, we're going to talk about the teacher for just a moment. Uh, now this one is, we're going to not going to spend a lot of time here because I hope this one's kind of obvious to teach. But what image comes to mind when you hear the word teacher? What visual comes to mind for you? Anything come to mind? Somebody in front of the class. Lectures there, you know. Lecture, stand in front, okay? Yeah. Someone who keeps you on task. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot of times we do, we think about um, teachers. Uh, in a Sunday school context, we think of what, what we grew up with in school, public, you know, in a school setting. School teachers. They stand in front of the class, they keep order. Um, what I want us to do, I want to broaden our idea away from, uh, from just, for public school, that's great. Bible study, teaching is a whole different element. Uh, there is a sense here where we're going to guide people. We're not just going to spew facts at them. So, uh, this is a quote from the book Three Roles. Talking does not equal teaching any more than listening equals learning. Honestly, just because I'm up, up here standing talking for an hour doesn't mean you're learning anything. The image I prefer best, instead of just saying, well, you need to teach this class, and people thinking that means I've got a lecture for 45 minutes. I prefer the idea of a guide or a facilitator. Uh, some of y'all have been in other conferences we've been before. I am not a fan of lecture. I do not like lecture. Again, if they need a 45-minute lecture, I can send them a video. I can stay on and just let them watch a video. I am not a fan of lecture. So what does teaching mean then? Teaching, I like the idea of being a guide. Uh, Someone I'm going to facilitate the discussion as we get into God's Word. Now, when you think of a guide, how might acting as a guide benefit you as a teacher? How might, how might that benefit the teacher? And I'm not looking for any one right answer. I feel like it takes pressure off. You don't feel like you have to talk the whole time, or like you are the whole thing. Like, if you feel like you're just guiding the discussion, then it kind of is not as intimidating. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Someone else want to add to that? That's good. How does it benefit the teacher? Well, you have some relax. 
Okay, good. Well, how about guiding then be a benefit for the group members? Those who sit in the circle. Right, that's good. Now, I like this image of the guys that are hiking because I'm the one hiking the trail, not the guy. Now, the guy's walking with me, but he's just kind of helping me stay, you know, hey, don't venture off the path. He's just there to guide me so I can enjoy the hike. <laughs> one year, uh, for several years, several, some of us went and taught in Kenya. Taught, we, we even taught pastors. So I was there last day. We were through teaching. We were headed there, but we stopped and went to one of these uh, safaris. We were just riding and we in. I mean, you're out there. It's not like seeing a zebra in the zoo. You'll see 40 or 50 zebras kind of in the other day. So we kind of stopped for a break, and I just started, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I don't walk 10 feet from the group. And the guide says, don't go over there. <laughs> By the way, the guy carried a rifle. He says, you get too far in that direction, you don't know what's going to jump out. Now, his job was to help me stay where I needed to stay. But he didn't take away from the enjoyment of the safari. And so as a guide with the class, um, my goal is to help you really benefit from the Bible study, uh, and kind of keep us on task, kind of keep us on the trail. Uh, benefits. Now, a lot of people don't like being a guy. You know, we talk about the comfort level. I like that. But the, the, the beauty of lecturing, what they see is, as long as I'm lecturing, I control the study. What happens if Lynn asks me a question? What am I going to do? What if I can't answer it? So if I just lecture, I don't allow time for things like that. And the other thing I've noticed when I just kind of facilitate a study, there's others in the group because of their life experiences, what they understand. They're going to throw an idea out that me as, as the teacher, I may not have thought about. That's rich. Uh, we was in my last conference, and we were as we were talking about greeting visitors and helping visitors come back, several people in the group shared ideas I hadn't thought about. We learn from each other. So my job as a teacher is to be a guide. All I'm going to do is facilitate the discussion. But in the process, I can learn. Questions, comments? How, how do you um, solve a problem when you have one person that likes to talk about their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, and they we're taking a prayer request? And she wants to talk, and I keep trying to go to the next person. Like if there's a, a pause, I say the next person in line. Do you have a prayer request? But she does it all the time. I'll be curious to hear from others. I have a solution we came up with. In fact, it was with my young adult class. We, at the beginning of the class, uh, I just had a clipboard and a black piece of paper, and I wrote at the tape, you know, the, the date on the top, prayer requests. And what we would do during the Bible study, that would circulate through. And people had time just to write down whatever request they did. My wife was sort of, was, was kind of the leader. She's the one who kind of did that administrative sort of stuff. When the, when the list made the round, she took the list, kind of snuck out, went down to the church office and made photocopies. And we had our prayer time at the end. Now everyone had a list and it cut down the Everyone talking about, because the details could be written down. Now, every once in a while, we let someone say, let me explain what I wrote down, and we allow them to do that. Uh, that really saved a lot of time, and, and did not take away from the prayer time. Um, anyone else have an idea on that? that yeah. If it totally disrupts, I don't know how to do that. Yes. I've taught before and I say, you know, we have X amount of minutes for our prayer request and talk, you know. And I said, we don't 
really need you going into details about this little one, that little one, and uh, did this sweet little thing, you know. I said, we need to stick to prayer requests. And I found that that was also helpful. We did it at the end. Yeah, we do it at the end. And uh, we just, folks, the pastor's going to give us that look if we're not in there all the time. Not, not that the pastors ever give us a look. You know, I, I don't know about everybody else. I, I help in a senior adult class, and uh, um, our ladies meet 30 minutes early just so they can get all their talking out. Wow. That's a good idea. They come to the church at 8.30. Our church, I mean, excuse me, 9 o'clock. Between 9 and 9.15, and we start at quarter to 10, and they've had 30 minutes to, to visit with each other, fellowship with each other, and, you know, they, and, and then we do our and we have our lesson. They we do our prayer time, but they have our the lesson. And we don't run into the problem of them, you know. And they may get off on a tangent, and we have to reel them back in, which is not unusual. But it's not every Sunday kind of thing. Sure. But that is something they started themselves. That they decided they would come thirty minutes early, and because they're up anyway, and they would come on to church and sit around and enjoy each other. This lady's 83 and mm -hmm. she's a recent widower. Mm -hmm. And that's it, and she's lonely. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, see we have, our oldest one is 94, our oldest is 94 years old. And so, you know, and that's, I'm thankful she's still able to come to church, but, but that really has, like I said, it's something they did themselves. Nobody did sure. that for them. And I think a lot of y'all had this experience too, where your, your prayer time was 20, 30 minutes long. We, we've had that experience. Uh, but I just found if I did, a, if I did the sheet, and what we, we could do also, sometimes we, we had emails. We would, another route we would do is, <clears throat> excuse me, we would send that in email so everyone had the list they could pray through for the We could send a whole lot of the conversations. We had a board like this that we put our prayer request on. But then when we get to this person, she goes on and on and on about. You just have to interrupt her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because honestly, she's just lonely. Yeah. And, you know, she honestly is just lonely. And you just, you just have, I mean, and you think about it, but there, she might be offended depending on how you do it, but she would get in the hang, hang of it. We, we had a new church, uh, we had a new member join our class. And that was what she did, you know. Mm -hmm. She she just kept on and on, but we just we just kept encouraging, you know, moving on and sure. encouraging her. So now she's gotten in the habit, and she knows she knows the routine. And like I said, they come thirty minutes early. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a fan of lecture. I like discussion based Bible study. And what we do in Bible studies for life is you're not familiar. It's five questions. It's Bible study, but we only have five discussion questions. None of them are academic. None of them are explain the word Paul used in verse 12. It's nothing like that. It's more open-ended. But what will happen is even with discussion, there's always going to be, there can be one person who no matter what you ask, they're ready for the response, and a long response. And so you, it, it's just natural. Some people like to talk. Some people want to dominate. So I found sometimes it's just, you know, as I ask the question, it says, well, uh, and you got to know your group to be able to pull this off, to say, well, you know, Danielle, what do you think about this question? And you just, instead of, you, you route it to someone who's not that dominating person. And once again, you got to know your group. Because, you know, I, I don't know, I may have just, I may have just embarrass the heck out of Danielle, put her on the spot. Uh, and so you got to know your group, not to, not to ask the wrong person. But I might, there are some people that just like to talk. So you kind of divert away from them. And so, well, that's a, you know, they're just interrupt. Hey, that was a great response. What else? What's someone else? What are your thoughts? See, my role is to be a guide. Uh, I may be having a discussion, but it's still my responsibility as a teacher to keep them on track. You ever had those discussions that you go know, five minutes into it, all of a sudden you realize you were talking about this, and we chased rabbits, and we are way over here. You know, we're in a uh, this has happened with teenagers. We're in a study of, say, the book of Colossians. In five minutes, we're talking about where were the dinosaurs in Genesis. 
Our job as the guide is just to kind of pull, and it's not just teenagers who do that, okay? My job is to pull them back and just keep us on the trail of where we're going. Uh, so my role as a teacher is to prepare well. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I keep talking about Bible search for life. We even decide our material, there's one point to the study. Now we break the scripture in divisions, but we only talk about one point. Well, our goal is after 45 minutes, I need to walk away that we have engaged, we understand, we want to live that one point. But what will happen to us as we have this discussion, we'll start getting, and it may be a good good route at the chase, but my job is to kind of keep us back on that one point. And sometimes when that discussion does that as the guy, I may have to say, you know, Lynn, that was a great that's a really good talk. So let's get together after class, maybe. And let's, let's talk about this later on. And I Because I don't want to dismiss what's being talked about. So that's great. But let's talk about this some more, maybe at the end of class or something like that. And now I'm pulling right back on task. That way I'm staying on task, yet I have not, I have affirmed the person who was going down the rabbit trail. The other side of the sis comes from Henry Blackaby. Uh, one of the things he talks about in Experiencing God. And this is the training for the leaders. He says, your plan says, you need to be prepared to talk about what that plan, what you're going to be talking about that day. But also be prepared for the Holy Spirit to work. Because sometimes that rabbit little trail you start to go down, there's a there's a pinch from the spirit to say, stay on that trail. There's something going on there that you're struggling with. So it's just being open to the, the spirit. There's been sometimes I've been so organized and so planned, I've got everything down, and at seven minutes we're going to do this, and, and I'm so planned that that when we start to diverge or the discussion goes, into the, you're getting off my plan, you know, and so you know, I have to watch make sure I'm not quenching the spirit when he's doing it. So just just be a guy and just uh, just trust the process, but it helps also to be to have a plan in place. Curriculum that you use, whatever Bible study resource you use, should have a teaching plan in it that kind of guides you. Here's what to ask now. Read this, do this, and it's just to guide you through that. Questions, comments? Sometimes being a guide, by the way, as the teacher, you don't have to do all the teaching. For a group to be able to, maybe there's a certain section of Scripture you are going to talk about and, and to get a hold of someone beforehand and say, hey, we're going to talk about this. Would you lead the discussion on that? And there's a benefit to that. And I've done this a lot when we were young adults, that um, I'm preparing them to learn how to be uh, to, to, to guide group. I'm only giving them just a little piece of it. But uh, it's sharing the ministry, it's sharing the load. Someone's going to guide. They hear a different voice for a little bit. And uh, when I actually graduated out in my, my young adult class I had, I was ready. I said, I know who's going to lead this class. I'm guiding. He didn't know yet. But it was one of the young men in the class. And I said, Cooper, you're ready to do this. And uh, so you, by you guiding, by doing that, you're investing in other people and helping them learn how to be a leader. I think one of our responsibilities as a teacher is to lead somebody in our class to help them through different ways you can to become a teacher. Yeah. And I have mine with me this weekend. See, I think that's value every teacher to have someone that they're mentoring, they've got an eye on, and to walk with them. I've even shared, you, know, you can share, give them the same leader guide that you're using. That's and let them see, this is how I plan, this is how I study. Most of us teach based on how we saw someone else teach. I mean, we really do. So let's be good coaches for them. Uh, and that's just, we're, gu we're guiding the group and we're guiding them how to learn how to teach. So let me talk about two important relationships you're going to need as a teacher. All right, you're, this is going to be really profound. Your first and very important relationship is with God. As you prepare for your Bible study, be in a heart and an attitude of prayer from beginning to end. One thing I ask God to do, I've learned to ask is, as, as I'm studying, not what am I going to teach the group. God, what are you teaching me? 
what are you teaching me in this? We tend to teach out of the overflow. And uh, as I'm preparing, so I, I want to be in tune with God's doing, uh, through this study, what He's teaching me, and then asking Him to use me. Uh, let me be sensitive to the questions or comments people say, you know, where their hearts are. So your relationship with God, this is a bright group. We know that. I didn't have to tell you that, but that is important. But the other one is your relationship to the group members. Our relationship as a teacher is important. The relationship with the group members. Now, this is going to be maybe an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Why is our relationship with the group members important? How does that impact teaching? You know your audience. You know their needs. Their okay. expectations. And also know you. That's good. Okay. So what are some ways we could do that? What are some ways we could build relationships with the group members? Strengthen those relationships. Yeah, I call they love fellowship. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a huge, you know, it doesn't matter if it's where it is, they love fellowship. Once a month, we go to lunch together. That's a client's Okay. And that's great. There's something about eating. <laughs> you know, it is, it's, you know, we laugh about how bad it is how we like to eat, but there's something about food at mm -hmm. the table. That even if I'm having one of those, you call it kind of a serious conversation, or what, or what I tell my sons, this is one of those kind of come to Jesus meetings that we have. When you have food on the table with that person, it lightens it up a little bit. You look, look at the life of Jesus. Uh, Gospel of Luke, a writer made this comment, says you look almost all of Jesus' teaching. He's either going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's leaving a meal. And meals are through, you know, the, Abraham had the three visitors. When they arrived, he fed them. And there's something about the food as a part of the uh, setting. Sort of a little bit of letting our hair down. We want to talk. We're more comfortable. You know, we usually meet at 11, and it's probably 1.30, or, you know, 1.30, 1.30, We leave maybe two runs once in a while. That's good. So, all right, a food fellowship certainly is great. What are some other ways we might be able to strengthen relationships? Prayer. Okay. I feel like when you pray for someone, you pray for them on a consistent basis. Like, God changes your heart towards that person and, like, makes a connection that you would never make otherwise. That's good. And for that person, no, hey, I'm praying I'm, I'm pray for you this week. Is there something I can pray for you about? That's, that's great. Uh, anything else? Something we do is we write everybody's name down on a piece of paper and fold it up, put it in a cup, send it around, and that's the person you're going to pray for all week long until the next Sunday. Do you get another? Well, that's good. Sort of not a secret Santa, a secret prayer. <laughs> that's good. Well, it makes you welcoming. The more, I guess to me, the more involved you are with your group, you become more I call it welcoming, that may not be the right word, but approachable, but you know. Something as a teacher we need to do with it. I'm doing too much talking, but if you hear a prayer request and it's something that they're worried about, something that somebody's sick, it's your responsibility to call that person Monday, find out how things are going and what you can do for them. Okay. I think that brings the caring side out, and also the ministry. Yeah. You, know, mm -hmm. you find something to do together that's outside of yourself. I mean, it's ministry related, so that always draws the group together because now you have a great purpose. And it's like your relationship with God is is two sides. So you're, you know, it's you and it's God. 
And with your group, it's you and your group member. It's two sides. Good. Now, I want to warn you. We're talking about three roles. Does anyone remember what the second role is? Shepherd. It's the shepherd. So we're stepping into that territory already, uh, which is fun. Because what we're going to see is when we talk about the shepherd, there's a lot of this caring and ministry that happens. But even if I have someone who serves as a shepherd, as the teacher, that doesn't put me off the hook. I still think I need to build relationships with the group. It's just it's going to be in a different way. Um, I think it's great just to... I've learned this a few things. We just kind of hang out afterwards. The, the meal, we're doing it. They see me in a different light. They don't see me as the teacher. They see me more as a friend. They, they, uh, they get to see that when we eat, I tend to drill food on myself. They see me as you. Uh, it's just, it, it changes everything. They see me outside of the Bible study context, and that, that makes us more relatable. And I really do dribble food on myself. I flew home last Saturday with a big Whataburger stain on my shirt. Uh, my wife just rolled her eyes. She was used to it. So, um, Bruce Rayleigh in the book, he makes this comment about real teaching requires a relationship. Uh, I told the earlier group, he said this idea, you know, people love, can you give us a video to watch? <clears throat> they want to watch videos. Now, I, I'm all in favor of video supported Bible study. But I don't think video should be the Bible study. Uh, but that's what they want. You just give us that really great gifted teacher. We're going to show the video. And my wife was in a, in a class like they did this. They did a, a Beth Moore thing. And when the, when the video was over, I had a word of prayer and they were dismissed. Okay, they may have gotten some good teaching. But real teaching is a relationship. Uh, we can't, that's why there will always be Bible study groups because we, we crave relationships. We crave um, that give and take, that back and forth. You don't get with a video. You don't. So now let me talk about, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, we're going to pass this real quickly. There are some ruts we tend to get into as teachers and I'm going I'm, I'm to spare Wita uh, because you were with me last night. I talked about creative ways of teaching. There's eight ways we like to learn. We tend to focus on just stand there and talk. There's other ways people like to learn. And so the ruts, I would say, that we tend to get into, we tend to teach the same way, week in, week out, week in, and week out. It's always the same. Put variety in the way you approach how you teach. Um, yes, there's, fun, there's just fun ways to just get some variety in the way you do it. Shake up how the room looks. Just based on what you're doing. If you're going to have any small group areas, already have the chairs turned in circles as they come in. Um, I uh, I took this as a compliment. I was getting my room set up. It was right just about 15 minutes before the study started. And two girls that walked by, who were my group, walked by. They peeked in and said, oh, hey, how you doing? I said, hey. Said, oh, we just want to see what you're setting up. We never know. And I took that as a compliment. There was a sense of anticipation for them. But what we tend to do is we tend to do the same thing. We sit in rows. I'm going to hit the same. I'm going to, I'm going to approach the Bible study in the same way. Shake it up. Bring in props. Bring in teach uh, an object that you're teaching with. If you're studying um, Jesus and the woman at the well, bring in water. Bring in cups. Anything. Just to find creative ways to teach. Just put variety in your place. Alright, now that's that's a whole conference y'all y'all weren't there to, from last night, so I'm gonna I'm gonna spare weed of that because she was part of that. Uh, so yeah, and these are the these are the eight ways we do like to learn. Uh, so and then we talked about just ways you could pull those into your Bible study. If you use curriculum, uh, at least from LifeWay, our Bible studies for life, explore the Bible, gospel project, we include options in the teaching. Most of the plan is going to be a lot of relational discussion uh, and stuff, but we include options that will grab a visual idea, a musical idea, a physical where they're actually up moving around. And it's just a way to enhance the learning experience. And you don't have to do this for your entire hour. Sometimes it's going to be five minutes you get up and you do something different. But because you've done something different, it connects well. The rest of the hour, they're kind of 
right, we've talked a lot about the teacher. Uh, in, in some ways, that one seems sort of obvious, but let's talk about the shepherd. Again, a teacher can be the shepherd in the group, but it doesn't have to be. You can share the load as the teacher and get someone to walk alongside you as being the shepherd of the group. Or you may be the one you love being the Bible study group because you just love shepherding the people. But you tolerate the teaching part. Well, get someone to walk alongside you as the teacher. So, now, what we see as a teacher is it's just someone who guides the group's care. That's the key word. They guide the group's care. So what I want to do, we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of break this up a little bit. And uh, I'm going to ask you to, uh, on your handout, you see these three sections. A good shepherd has a sense of stewardship, a love for the sheep, and constant vigilance. So what I'm going to ask us to do, I'm going to split us right down the middle. And Keith, on over. Or what I want y'all to do, I want y'all to, on your handout there, look at that section that says love for the sheep. And I want y'all just to look at that. You may, it may take a minute to read it, but I want y'all to talk about what that means and how a shepherd would carry that out. Because you're going to tell the rest of us in just a moment. Y'all talk about love for the sheep. And then uh, I want y'all to talk about the one that's the constant vigilance. Just look at that for a moment. And then y'all y'all uh, see what the strength importance of that is. All right. <laughs> Which group wants to go first? Y'all sound so enthusiastic. Let's talk about the love for the sheep. Tell us why that's important for a shepherd. Uh, you know, the Bible often speaks of sheep and shepherd. We all know that just from moving on. But, uh, you know, it, it's not just love. It's a caring compassion for them. It, as a Sunday school teacher, you really got to know the people and know kind of the inner work of what they have spiritually and as a person. And uh, you want to be able to guide them. You know, a sheep, you got to try to get them through a gate. Some are going to go easily. <laughs> And some are not going to want to go the other way, and some just stand there. You know, I'm, I'm not making fun of people, but people and sheep—it's a lot of the same way the Bible speaks of that. And uh, it, it, as a Sunday school teacher, you got to be able to deal with that, whether they talk too much or whether they uh, think they're farther along than they are. And, and we got to meet those needs just by following God's word. But it, the loving part comes back to. Uh, just caring for them and, and asking them where they at, what, what's going on in your life, and, and uh, you know, and being compassionate about it. You can, you can ask that stuff because you know you're supposed to, but they'll see right through you if you don't really care. There's an old cliche that's worth remembering: people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. It's an old cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It, it, it works. Go ahead, Dad. Okay. That's great. Thanks, Keith. Y'all covered that well. All right, let's talk about the uh, constant vigilance. Who's our speaker here? I won't really be the speaker, so I guess I will. And, uh, you know, Satan is doesn't give up. He's relentless, and every day he attacks everyone in a certain way and so you have to be diligent uh, with your class members and, and you will you will miss it a lot of time at least I have missed it a lot of time so I may not even be the best one speaking about it but we know Satan is uh, different people will hide it some people show it the prayer requests bring it up a lot uh, got one uh, one fellow in uh, my Sunday school class and he is actually one of my best members because he has Two of my class members were totally into it, and he used to be deer hunting with them, so he keeps up with them and goes to see them on a regular basis and he goes back to the class. And so I don't have to do that. The rest of the class doesn't have to do that. But he's now in the hospital. I was in the hospital this week, so I got to go see him. He had a staph infection in his, in his leg and he had a shoulder problem. He took steroids for his shoulder and that inflamed the staph infection, so now they're trying to get him stabilized. He's a big football guy, high school football guy grandson playing the football team. He didn't go for the first time in years just last night. So he's in pretty good shape. But the point is it's, it happens to everybody. And if you're not if you're not 
diligent in finding out what's going on. And it's different for everybody. Satan knows what our weaknesses are, and that's where he attacks us. We should have that love for the sheep. There's a sense that we've got to be constant with that, too. There's also a sense of stewardship. And that's just the idea that we've been placed in this position, this role. Now, sure, it could have been the Sunday school director or the pastor who said, would you do this? But there's also behind that a calling from God to serve in this role. And there's a sense of stewardship. I am responsible for the sheep that we put under my care. Now, let me remind you, I want to, I, I'm going to try to do something here. I want to separate the teacher person from the shepherd person just for a little bit. Again, some of you who are teachers love to shepherd. And some of you, it's a struggle. The reason I want you to think about having someone come alongside you is for the sake of time. We have busy lives. We have full loads. Uh, I was talking to Emily before about a young adult class I helped start. Um, I taught college students there in Nashville, and our church is right by Vanderbilt University. Uh, Vanderbilt, the Belmont, the Baptist schools there, and the church, um, David Lipscomb, which is the church Christ school. We're just all over there. And so we had these college students, but during the worship service, they're always graduate students. Vanderbilt has more graduate students than undergraduate. It's just you know, medical and science and stuff I don't understand. And I kept telling, I come to our leadership at the church says, no one's reaching these graduates. They're not going to come to my college class. You know, the college class, they still got, you know, high school guys, freshmen, that are, you know, they're still kind of squirreling. You know how they are. And then you want to put a graduate student four years later, they're so much more mature. They don't want to come. For weeks, for months, guys, we need something. So they find some little, we figured out we're going to do this. We're going to get someone to teach the college class, and you're going to take on the graduate class. And I said, that's fine. I'll be happy to do that, but... I want someone to walk alongside me in that class and be the leader in the show. And, and that class took off. Uh, there, once again, there was a need, but I think the key was I had someone who walked alongside me focused on the shepherding and all the other parts of that, and I could focus on just that teaching them. Now, that didn't take away from me having a sense of uh, stewardship with them. I still wanted to love them. I would still make calls. But... Someone else was also carrying that role. Now, let me throw, throw out a term here, see if this is familiar. Any of you ever use something like called uh, care group leaders? You know what I'm talking about? All right. Some call them class leaders, whatever. The principle of a care group leader is right here. Now, if we were a Sunday school class, there's eight of us. If I was leading this group, I would have two shepherds in this group. Shepherd for the guys, a shepherd for the girls. Because the idea of shepherd is... When I'm talking about a care group leader, you don't want to have a, a big list. One person, maybe give them three or four names at best. That's it. Because that one person, all they have to do during the week is stay in touch with those three or four people. Now, I want to do that as a teacher. But my life is full just as yours. So for me to get a hold of all eight of you all, every week can sometimes be trying. So I share the load. So what I've learned to do is if I'm the, you know, overseeing the class, my, my group that I shepherd are the shepherds. I stay in touch with them. And I mean, now, what they, now we'd say there's eight of us, but you know in the reality of a Sunday school class, if yours is like this, you've got eight, you may have more like 16 or 20 on the road. Right? So, care group leader, I don't, you just don't have the ones that are here. You divvy up the names of those who want And so they get a contact. As you go along. I'm going I'm to throw some stuff up here with questions, comments about the idea of getting other people to help with the shepherding. In my experience has been that with a preacher uh, as well as a teacher, the, uh, you're either a good shepherd or you're a good. If you're a great preacher, you're almost nothing a good shepherd. The combination of those two usually just don't fit. And my spiritual gift is teaching, and I'm a, not a good shepherd. So I need somebody to help me. I think that's usually the way it is. You usually get it. And I'd rather have a shepherd than I had to teach it most of the time. You're right. It's hard to find a good pastor and preacher in the same person. No, no offense. You know, I do a lot of supply preaching. Uh, done, done some interviews. Oh, we want you to be our, be our, our permanent pastor. And I'm thinking, yeah, you really don't know me that well. <laughs> I, I love to preach. I love to teach. 
I'm that same way. Just I have to have someone walk alongside me to remind me of things. So th that's why you're sharing the love. Uh, it really makes a world of difference. Now, I'm going to pop some words up here real quick, and we're going to kind of walk through some of these. Let me talk about how you pull up your care group leaders, your shepherds. You recruit them. Here's what you do recruiting them. Guys, shepherd guys. Girls, shepherd girls. Period. And by the way, don't get couples to do this. Don't ask a husband or wife to shepherd these. Because you know what happens? Who makes all the calls? The wife. The wife. Come on, guys. That's the reality. They're the ones who make the calls. And therefore, the women are calling the women. And the men get left out. So, guys, uh, men, men uh, are shepherding men. Women are shepherding women. And so, that, that way, uh, they, they're going to build some relationships. And it keeps it, once again, three to four people. That's manageable in any size group, any size church. And the beauty of this is in these relationships is, um, like Tom is a pastor. Do you know about, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you ever had that incident where someone was in the hospital and you didn't know it? And the fun thing is, pastors, when they get mad at us for that, well, we didn't know. Well, the beauty of Sunday school is, because it's a smaller group setting, those kind of instances are going to, they're going to be more known. And if it was a shepherd, we even call the absentees. Those are the ones that, so they, they, they come to church just a few times a year and they get mad when the church no one visited them when they're in the hospital. We didn't know. But shepherds can find that out. And I'm talking about shepherds who, and their routine is they make that call weekly. And it's not a, hey, we're over here in Sunday school Sunday. It could be some, hey, just, uh, just thinking about you, glad to see you, know, you know, um, how can we be praying for you this week? It's a conversation. And now, that shepherd's heard that he can share it with the class, the teacher, even with the pastor. And now the pastor doesn't get hot water. But the, the idea of the relationships is everybody in the group is assigned a shepherd. Everybody gets a contact. Now let's talk about the uh, what resources could a shepherd use to stay in touch with his sheep? What resources could he use? Text. Text. What else? Social media, anyway. Okay. The phone. The phone. Now, my young adult class, I, I created my own uh, cards for anyone who was interested in joining the class. Um, but I'd ask, how would you like to be contacted? Mail, mail, phone, text. 100% text. Uh, yeah, it's a generation. They won't answer that phone call. Don't answer the text. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and it doesn't even have to be, sometimes it could just be running into them someplace, grocery store or something, there's a contact. And uh, once again, let me stress, this is not a, hey, I hope you're there Sunday. Hey, we missed seeing you last week. You should have been there. It's just, hey, glad to see you. Um, just how can we pray for you? How are things going for you? Keep it personal. And, and you can do the things. Anyway, we're about to start a new study next week. Uh, we're about to jump into the study. I'm trying to know what it's going to be. We're going to be starting in Bible studies for life. We're going to start a new study called Simplicity, Finding Our Contentment in God. Because I hang there in that first Sunday. And these don't have to be long calls. By the way, let me share another resource you can use. This is so old school, it's cool again. You ready for this? A postcard. You know, we used to get mail all the time. Do you ever get excited about your first email? Yay! <laughs> now we get excited when someone sends us a letter. <laughs> and there's something about that card, I mean, a, a, a letter, something like that. And uh, it's just, it's fresh. And the thing with emails and texts, I guess, is the same way. Emails. I don't save many emails, they get deleted. We save letters and cards. Um, and there's something about that. So it's so old school. By the way, if if uh, if you've got um, with with parents who have kids, 
the kids do something. Uh, and this is something great to work with the kids' teachers on, that they send postcards. Here's the neat thing about a postcard that goes to a young adult, a young kid in the family. That postcard, do you know what they do with it? Hang it up on the fridge. Yes. <laughs> it gets it gets macked and gets put up there. And I, even some adults do that. Uh, there is a there's a postcard hanging on my refrigerator. It's the only postcard up there that someone wrote last year thanking me for something. It was an adult writing. I guess it was to remind my wife. See, someone. Oh. But uh, <laughs> those things are so old school, it's kind of cool again. You're right, because our children's pastor now sends out postcards. And we have a nine year old and a five year old. They go check the mailbox for those postcards. And they. Miss Casey sent us a postcard again. Well, there's so much you can do with them now. The graphics are just, you know. (laughs) My refrigerator's full of them, but it's because people have sent me pictures of their kids. Well, you can get cards for different occasions from Lifeway. And we, you know, sometimes they're on sale. I wouldn't get one free. Mm -hmm. And we get all occasion. And so we hear somebody's having a problem, a sickness, we send them. If, uh, uh, and at the end of our year, like in August, we send out, now this is just for my class, thank you cards to all the leaders of the church who mm-hmm. had a position mm-hmm. for what you've done this year in our church. That's great. Um, Lynn, one of the things that uh, we were talking about this in a group last night. Uh, and one of the things I've seen with relational with the last three churches I've pastored is I, I handwrite a personal birthday and anniversary, anniversary card to every member of the church. And my secretary, it takes some time, but on the desk every Monday, and I go through and I handwrite those notes, and handwritten notes are a lost art. Tom, I would like to hug you. I would too. But thank you. I'm telling you, we're looking for a church home. We've moved about two, we moved two years ago. I still don't have a church home because I'm always preaching somewhere. But when we have visited churches, I used to have a Sunday off. I'm visiting. Yeah, during the week, I get a letter from the pastor. It's form written. I mean, you can tell. It's just it's that standard thing, and I applaud the handwritten personal notes. That is. is well, it takes that for you might text. Yeah. Anybody can sign a form letter, or, or actually, most of the guys they're not signing because they're, they're using the stamp. Secretary. Well, they're using the stamp, but to take the time to do that, mm-hmm. and it connects. Yeah, it's great. Now you have to understand. I have kind of an awful little sense of humor. I found I go I go buy postcards at flea markets. Uh, I think that's some antiques. We can get it for fifty cents if you get to the right spot. And I will send the most random postcard from like the nineteen thirties of a post office in Podunk, North Carolina, <laughs> and it just makes it fun. Uh, I, my mother got a postcard every week from me. She never knew where it would come from. Just, but it, was, it was just, I found some from University of Michigan. You know, it's their mascot. Um, but it's fun. And a postcard, you don't have to be long-winded. But again, they put them on the, like, adults don't throw those away. They get saved. So that's a, there's resources like that that you can use. And, and I do not discount social media. Um, on their Facebook pages, a private message to them, or if, if, if it's okay, it's something you can post on their on their page, uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, people love to be contacted, especially if they know it's not a. Well, where were you last week? I called the young adult one uh, school that just started. In fact, it was the first day, and I called her that night, and I was just talking with her for a minute and just. There was this pause, and she says, "Okay, so I appreciate your call. What do you need?" She was expecting me to ask her to do something. So no, I just called because I knew it was first day of school. I want to see I went for it. I found that carried a lot of weight. Just got, I'm just calling just because. So, uh, what we want to do, our shepherds, to do that. And it sounds great to do, but oh, oh, I could do that if I've only got four names. If I've only got a handful to do. Uh, now, let me talk about the rut you can get in on that. The one rut is that you do the same thing every week. Well, it's 7 o'clock Thursday night. Any minute now, going to call. <laughs> you know, it's just it's the routine we get into. 
so I just say, because if you do, you run into um, you run into the Publix, the grocery store, have a little conversation while you know they're in aisle seven. That's great. So I may not need to send a card that week or, or, or a call or anything like that. Just find some variety in the way you do it. Because I discovered I was sending my young adults texts on Saturday mornings. And they got to be pretty routine. And I realized I'm getting it right. So they're kind of expecting it. But the results that you get are phenomenal. People feel connected. And it does have a way of bringing back the absentees. It does. This is important because people, surveys are now showing that people who consider themselves regular church attenders, you attend church regular, yes, they, they consider themselves even if they only go once or twice a month. And they're regular. And in my opinion, they're absentees. The culture's changed. Just, I'm, I'm a good Christian. I go to church once a month. All right, so we're running short on time. And I'm sorry, that, that, I think that's important, those shepherds. Let me just talk very quickly about the leader. Um, the leader, once again, can be the same person, but I have found it so helpful when I had someone who, who was the leader, and there's sort of the sense of doing the kind of the administrative sort of stuff. Yeah, they do the records or whatever, but they're also the one who helps uh, stay in touch with shepherds. Talking about fellowships, my leader is the one who steps in and he really helps organize some get-togethers parties, things like that. Uh, ideal person in that world. I would let them lead the opening uh, opening prayer. He was the one who handled the prayer sheet. Uh, get that going around. And at the end of the class, when the study was over, i just sit down and he would take the last five minutes or so and walk through that. So a leader's going to do things like that. I'm going to, I'm pushing this for time, so let me just go over here. Let me talk about uh, some of the ruts we get into. The leader needs to make sure the Bible study does not become a closed group. Now, closed groups sound bad. They're not. There is an appropriate place for a closed group. Uh, if you've ever done Experiencing God, you've ever done a, a, a Beth Moore or Priscilla Shire study, those are closed group studies. There's a place for those. We're all going to be in the study for the next six, eight weeks. Because once you get started, it's hard for new people to come in because they don't know what's going on. There is a place for those, but it's not Sunday morning. You always got to think about guests. And if I'm doing a closed group study and someone comes in, I had this actually happen in Experience in God one time. Someone wanted to they had, we had no place to put them, so they brought them to my Experience in God class. That poor, he had no idea what was going on. Uh, so make sure it stays an open group. That anybody's welcome at any time. And even though if you're Explore the Bible and you're in the book of Titus right now, they come in and you're in chapter 3 of Titus, they can just jump right in through a part of the group. We design our curriculum, Sunday school curriculum, to be open group for that reason. The other right we get into is the idea a bigger group is a better group. No, it's not. There are some Sunday school classes around that are larger than a lot of churches. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the famous one is uh, First Baptist Dallas. They had a, a uh, Dallas, Texas, they had a Sunday school class that was 200 people. That's not a Sunday school class. It's a small church. <laughs> but the bigger uh, bigger groups, uh, discussion gets hampered. You got 20 people on a regular basis. I mean, you've probably seen this in some of the conferences, even some of the larger conferences. You ask a question, you're going to expect about three or four people to answer. Everyone else kind of blends into the walls. They don't have to talk. They don't have to participate. A smaller group allows for relationship building around the study. So, and then uh, the third thing I'll add is, one of the ruts we get into is we think about the active members. Think about the one who's not there all the time. It could be a guy who, because of his shift work, he can only be there once every third Sunday. Um, and it could be that guy, it's, it's a divorce, he's divorced, so there's every other weekend, he goes and gets his kids. And he's not even in the church. There's a lot of reasons, a lot of valid reasons people might not be there. Don't forget them. And it was someone who hadn't been back in six months. Stay in touch with them. We tend to, we tend to think about those who are there. So if we're planning a fellowship, great. 
get the word out to everybody on your world. Everybody. So they can be a part of, hey, we're going to get together Sunday after church, Panera Bread, yada, yada. We're going to do uh, this. Um, my mind just went blank there. The maze. We're going to go do a corn maze in October. We, we announce all that to everybody. So that's one of the ruts we get into. The leader's idea uh, is to help us make sure we stay focused on the mission, which is we want to reach as many as we can with an open group and build relationships. All right, I've gone really fast through that because we're just short on time. Uh, there is my contact information. Uh, my ministry, key ministry right now, is really to help you in yours. So I want you to feel free to contact me about your class. Hey, we've had this come up, our class, i got a question. Or uh, even related to LifeWay, if you said, hey, you guys ever thought about doing this? I'd love to hear from you. So feel free, that is even my personal cell phone number. I am that trusting. So I'd uh, love to hear from you. Are there any closing questions, comments, or snide remarks? I had a question. You were talking about the big groups. So what would you say the max active member, you know, in a class? If I'm if I'm starting to have 15 to 20 on a regular basis in mm -hmm. attendance, that's a good time to divvy up the class. And, and, and I'm saying we're going to we're going to multiply, we're going to birth a new class. Okay. Now, if space is a problem, there are some other things you can do with a large group. You can, kind of a master teacher, I mean, I'll talk for a little bit, and it's okay, I want you in a group, and put them into three or four groups, and just let them circle their chairs, or however you turn around in the pew, uh, and let them talk among themselves. And that way relationships are still happening. Uh, so that can happen in a large group, it just takes a little more effort. Lynn, I got a unique situation. I haven't taught class in probably four or five years. Been doing other things in the church. I used to have a young adult class for a very long time. Now I'm going to the oldest men's class in the church, and uh, they don't want to use the book. They're uh, I'm waiting to a new church here, which will be a week or so, to to move into the classroom, and there's. You know, I've already kind of fielded some questions, kind of filled them out, so I know all of them. And uh, they said, well, we don't use the book, we use the Bible. Why are you going to come to us and start preaching the Bible? You know, three of the guys in our know very well. So we kind of started with them, just kind of feeling, like, you know, what are y'all studying, what are you doing? And they can't even explain to me what they even studying, you know. And I was kind of like, well, sure. that's kind of my point. And uh, the church, the, the book you were just talking about in Titus, it really speaks to where our church is at, where we're going. We just got a new pastor, very young pastor, 26 years old, he's great. And uh, we have a very seasoned church up in the middle of Georgia, 150, 200 members, and uh, it's a very good church. And, uh, you know, it's going through its next growing pain as all churches do. And, uh, you know, going into this class, the men's class. It's all men. I'm probably the youngest one in there. I'm 51. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know why they wouldn't want to use a Sunday school book. If they don't want to use the book, teach it anyway. Right, right. That's what uh, I'm and, just, and just use it. I've, I've learned this about those who, they pridefully say, I just we're just going to study the Bible. My brother-in-law is this one. He's got a listen. We're just going to study the Bible. So I started quizzing, really. So you're just going to open the Bible and just whatever? He says, well, no, I have some commentaries I use to help me think. This is, oh, you're using curriculum. You're just creating curriculum. You know, now, if someone truly doesn't use commentaries, all they got, they're just pulling their ignorance, which is dangerous. Everybody uses something to prepare for. In curriculum, we're not teaching the curriculum. We're teaching the Bible, and that curriculum... These books like this, this is, whoops, this is just a tool. It's all it is. It's just a guide to help us get in there. Because most of us don't have time to go find commentaries, do all this research, create a plan to teach with. We provided you a tool to do that. That's all we're providing you. In fact, I encourage you to take that and tweak it to fit your guys. Oh, um, yeah. You're, just, you're, not, you're not a bad Southern Baptist if you don't teach it like this. Right. So teach it anyway and just... Um, one that knows the Bible, you can do it. Ephesians is what we're going to next. Right. Just use that. 
I just found it weird that they were saying that. I, yeah. There's I a sense of pride class, in that. I had visited their class a couple of times, and it didn't make any sense. I mean, what they were saying was speaking to me since it was the Bible, but I didn't know the direction or the point. You know, every lesson yeah. has a point. And I wouldn't hear that. The point is the point. And well, you're gonna you're gonna make a world of difference for them when you just kind of subtly give them to them. Thank you for being here, uh, Tom, or whatever you need to do to yeah, close us out. Let's close in a word of prayer, and then uh, we've got a little bright time, and then we'll head up to the worship center for for our last session together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for bringing Lynn to us, Lord, and as as we want to see our our small groups, whatever we call them, in whatever setting that is, we want to see them prosper. We want to see. Um, relationships with you grow, relationships with each other grow. And so, Lord, help us to take these points and, and apply them to our specific settings. So thank you for your great love for us and continue to allow us to love you and to love one another as, as you change our lives. Lord, we ask that you use us to change the lives of others. So use your church um, so that we can honor and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Glad you're here.